everybody. I'm Eugene Driscoll. Welcome to Valley Naval Gazing on valleyindy.org, newhavenindependent.org. And if you're listening on the radio, WNHH 103.5 LPFM, New Haven's community radio station. I'm joined by my regular co-host, Valley Indy reporter Ethan Fry. Good day. And we're recording this, what's today? December 21st. The 21st, yes. Right, and we'll probably actually post this one quickly. St. Swiven's Day. I just made that up. Simpsons reference, but, you know. And we'll probably be posting this one. See, as good uh, Commissioner Keller, we can edit this. So that's that's a part that'll be edited. Mike is good enough. Mike is fine. Well, I want to formally introduce our guest uh, this week. It's Derby Fire Commissioner Michael Kelleher. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. No problem. And the reason, you know, you do a lot in Derby. The fire department in general does a lot in Derby. And you've sent me a bunch of press releases for things that you've done that I have not been able to cover. And it's been eating away at me. Because I, because you're, you know, you're like a guy I met. You, you're, you're a person, your reputation uh, precedes you in a good way uh, in the city of Derby. So I never want to say, I can't do that. I always want to see if I can, I'll show up and then I can't and something goes wrong. So I just want to apologize. Oh, that's fine. That's fine. No apologies necessary. But I thought a great way to uh, spread news now in 2016 is through podcasts like this, where we can have a discussion about all these things that the Derby Fire Department uh, is up to, aside from the obvious, fighting fires, which happens quite often in uh, Derby. You know, Derby and Sony are are much busier than places I worked previously in terms of... uh, uh, mm. Fires, I guess, because you mean get the old factories, you got the old, the old housing, uh, and uh, there's always something going on. So, but but then there's a whole other side to at least the Derby Fire Department uh, that Commissioner Keller here is, is involved with. Like, what do you have coming up? We're, we're recording this on December 21st, but you have an event coming up. Uh, you have two things coming up. Uh, you're you're going to be uh, a Christmas-related event. Tell us about it. Well, we. Uh we have, we're going to be delivering meals on Christmas Eve around noontime. We're cooking them. Uh, my wife is actually cooking them at our house. Food being donated by the firemen. And the trucks will come by, pick up the food, and bring them to about 45 or 47 homes in Derby. Mostly seniors who don't have anybody to spare Christmas with. And we cook the meal up, give them as dessert, and we bring them right to their house. Very, very similar to what we did on Thanksgiving along with the Shelton Fire Department. And how did this come about? How long have you been cooking meals on, on, on Christmas Eve? This will be our second year for both events, Thanksgiving and Christmas. I had the idea uh, uh, last a year, two years, a year ago, uh, around September, and I ran it by one of the uh, firefighters. And next thing you know, you give them an idea, and they'd run with it, and uh, it runs like clockwork. It really does. Yeah, and as we record this, we just had Popcorn Ball Sunday uh, this yeah. past Sunday, which was just a great event. I mean, I had so much fun. Like my kids, you I have talk a, about I, a valley specific tradition, right? Too, like. I mean, to my knowledge, I, I've never seen that anywhere else. Yeah, but. I mean, I, I didn't grow up with anything even yeah, remotely yeah. like that. So that's another way, like the fire department. And I, like, I, when I first moved here, it's like, um, okay, like it was just like a thing. But uh, you like put like a, basically like a photo gallery together based on like Facebook uh, shares this uh, year. And I was shocked by like how much that was shared and commented on and liked and everything because... Like it, it shows that like the community really does appreciate it. 
Yeah, and that's one of the things I love about uh, 2016 journalism with social media. You know, it gets a bad rap, mm. but it also, you know, a lot of times readers are our editors. Mm. And something we might have ignored or not as covered or not provided a list of when it's happening, like Popcorn Ball Sundays, yeah, yeah, actually yeah, yeah. people are rabid for it. Mm -hmm. But I have a six-year-old and a three-year-old, and it's just, it's now our tradition. You knew, yeah. They ask about it, you know what I mean? Like, Popcorn Ball Sunday is a big deal, and... Uh, it was just, and this is totally volunteer. You know, these are these are firefighters, volunteer firefighters. Mm -hmm. You know, giving away their Sunday uh, uh, to do this, and so it's just awesome. But I got it. What's your wife's name? Maureen. Maureen. How did Maureen get roped into cooking uh, all these How, meals? She was. Uh, we've been married thirty-eight years, uh, thirty-nine years. Just coming in May, I should say, and uh, she has been very supportive of my time in the fire service. Uh, I've had about forty-five total years in the fire department in Derby. And uh, she's like, she's like the fireman. I mean, you, you have an idea, and she goes, well, I'll cook the meal here, I'll cook the ham here, and she makes the menu up, and she coordinates getting the food, and uh, she really does support me 100% on this thing, and she's, uh, I couldn't have had a better choice than her, I'll tell you. Yeah, how many, how many hours does this take? You said 45 meals, I think you said? 45 people? Or uh, about, yeah, we get names from uh, Derby Housing Authority, uh, from, the, from the, the units they have in town, from Laura Wabno, who's a big help. Sure. And a team. Uh, Susan Riley supplies us with names. Thanksgiving, we also coordinate with Shelton, and we deliver meals to Shelton, which is Shelton Fire Companies. And now this, for Christmas Eve, though, we just do uh, Derby. And uh, we do it early, to 12 o'clock, because everybody has to go someplace on Christmas Eve. Mm -hmm. and I don't want to have the fellas and the ladies at the fire department held up all afternoon doing this. So we tried the meals cook in the morning. Uh, you know, it's at our house this time because we didn't want to use the other firehouse in, t in town. We cook the meals at our house, and the trucks come by. They pick them up. They have their assigned areas where to go. They go to this, their addresses, and hopefully they'll be done by one thirty, two o'clock, and they go on their Christmas Eve. You know, the, the Valley Community Foundation a couple of months ago released a uh, report, like a, uh, with all kinds of data on the Valley, and one of the striking things that comes out of this report is how the Valley's uh, population, and Derby especially, is, uh, you know, baby boomers are hitting retirement age. And then Derby has super seniors, you know, se yeah. seniors who are 80 years old. And Susan Riley, actually, the team had, had talked about how there's a lot of people you might not know who are living alone, mm, who yeah. are, are, you know, upward, or there's seniors taking care of seniors in a lot of cases uh, in Derby. And all the, all the things we have to do and challenges we face as a, as a, as a community uh, uh, going forward to help people, uh, the advanced seniors and the super seniors. What's the reaction like? And were you surprised that, that there were that many people, that there are that many people alone on Christmas? Well, my two grandmothers lived to be very elderly, and they both lived, uh, well, actually one lived at home, but the other one lived at uh, C.C. Manor. So I knew there was a lot of people that lived alone, you know, and, um, and I, I didn't know how many, quite frankly, until we actually asked. And it could be some young people that live alone, too, or, you know, people that are invalid or handicapped mm -hmm. that we'd also supply meals for. And I knew that team and the housing authority would have a pretty good handle on that. And um, quite frankly, if there's more, we could cook more. I mean, we do. The, the fellows donate the food, the time, and uh, whatever we needs to be done, we will do, and we'll get them all the meals. And so then, I, and then, uh, uh, you have another event uh, coming up. Not to switch uh, gears so quickly. You said a lot, a lot of information there. Your 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 grandparents lived into their nineties. Right. Uh, my my grand my both grandmothers into their nineties. Yes. And then your mom is currently, how old? Your mom is celebrating a birthday tomorrow? She, she, she'll be uh, 89 tomorrow, December wow. 22nd, yes. And my father will be 90 in uh, July 24th. And you were telling me sort of a fascinating story before we went uh, on mic 
their second ward residents lifelong. This is lifelong. interesting. How how did they? But they've moved a little. They've moved somewhat. How? Did, My mother was at lit, was uh, lived at one twenty five Hawthorne Avenue, and now they live at nine North Avenue. And she moved like four houses away. And my father was born at uh, on the corner of 7th and Hawthorne Avenue. And now he lives, of course, on, on 9 North Avenue. And uh, kidding around, I tried to ask the Department of Interior to declare it a historical site, but they wouldn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> they should. I'm on 246. We need all the help we can get. I'm, I'm up the road from them a little bit. So where, so where did you grow up in Derby? Which, nine, nine, I grew up on Hawthorne Avenue, actually, okay. uh, on the corner of, right near the corner of Kunala Road and Hawthorne Avenue. And then when I was eight or nine, we moved down. My father and my grandfather, who was the chief of police in Derby. Uh, what was, was your grandfather's name? Ivan Cable. Okay. That was my mother's maiden name. And they, together, my father and him, uh, built our house on 9 North Avenue, and that's where I grew up. So what was it like growing up in Hawthorne Avenue on those days? Oh, in yeah, those days? I mean, um, it was obviously a different time. It was, uh, you know... Uh, you, you walk, I walked to high school. From, I walked to high school. I met if a guy was one of the few kids that didn't want a license. I could walk to the high school, and I worked at a grocery store around the corner. Where was Ch- the grocery store? On I Cherry thought. Street. It was called Frank and Bill's Market. Okay. Uh, it's on Cherry Street. I worked there in high school, a couple summers there. And, uh, and I, I, when I got a job at the hospital initially, I, uh, Griffin Hospital, the kitchen, I was going to walk to the kitchen. I didn't want a license, but I ended up getting a license. And, uh, and I was, but it was great. It was, everybody knew everybody. It was... I don't know if you ever locked your door or not. You know, you probably didn't have to because you knew all your friends, all your neighbors had kids, and you all played ball up the park, or you walk up to Ryan Field and play ball or football or whatever, and it was very nice. And you have brothers, sisters? How many uh, siblings? I have a sister who's uh, retiring. Matter of fact, she's retiring on January 6th. And my brother, I had a brother who died about 23 years ago. He was killed in a car accident. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. He was only 29 years old. And oh, and your your sister, you said she's retiring. Where does she work? And she works in a town clerk's office in Derby. Oh, no kidding. Okay. Yeah. And she's retiring uh, January 6th, I believe. Wow, yeah. congratulations. Yeah, so. she's really looking forward to it. And then what type of work uh, did your mother and father do growing up in Derby? My father uh, graduated high school in 1946. I was just mentioning how he had a class reunion just last weekend, the 70th class reunion. Oh, right, at the new restaurant in Ansoni. Right you were down saying, here. What, Lulu, what's it called, Ethan? Lulu Pazzo. There you go. Yeah. A plug for the new restaurant. I, I graduated high school on a Friday and started with the gas company in Derby on a Monday. Wow. And he was there for about 42 years. Okay. Ironically, I also had 42 years at UI. We both had the same amount of time. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. And so, and then your dad was involved in public service, so you witnessed that as a kid. What was, uh, what was that like? Because he, he was always involved locally. He was a, a part-time police officer, and then he was on the Board of Education for a while. And then he got on the Board of Aldermen. He was elected to the Board of Aldermen numerous times. And, uh, and uh, he was also a Democratic town chairman. And that's how I got involved in politics. I guess they were looking for somebody. From, we, after we had married, my wife and I got married, we had moved to Shelton about a year and a half, but I wanted to move back to Derby. And actually, I wanted to live on the west side of Derby. Yeah, there we go. My <laughs> wife's from Beacon Falls. And uh, so I said, let's, live, let's, let's find a house on the west side of Derby. I like the high school, I like the park, I like Osborne Dale, the library. How, how'd you meet your wife, I may ask? I met her when I, before I got hired at UI. I met her, at summer, she was summer help at a factory in Beacon Falls where I worked. She was on her way to college, and she worked in the summertime, and that's how I met her. But we both worked in, lived in New, I'm sorry, we both worked in New Haven. Okay. So we lived over by Riverview Park in Shelton in an apartment. And it took, my, it took us longer to go from uh, Sodom Lane in 34 to Shelton than it get to get out of New Haven to get to that point. Hmm. So my oh. wife said, we're gonna live on, if we're going to work in New Haven, we're going to live on the east side of Derby. <laughs> it's closer to New Haven. We're going to throw all those traffic lights in downtown Derby just to get home. So that's why you bought a house on Bellevue Drive. Nice. Okay. 
And then you were saying that, uh, uh, I actually, you know what? I just lost my train of thought. What were we talking about before that? We went into that. We talked about what your dad did and uh, mm-hmm. and what your mom oh, did. Oh, that's, so I'm living in Bellevue Drive and everything is going well. And uh, my my father needed a candidate for alderman in the third ward, which is the, the west side, of, east side of Derby. I'm sorry. And so my mother says, well, what about Mike? Oh, so he called me up, and I had no interest in politics at that point. He said, well, come on, we need somebody to, you know, we need nine people to run on the board of Alderman. And as it was, I got elected. I, who would have known? Who would have guessed it? And, and I actually served with my father. Oh, wow. Yeah, because so, yeah, my father is still the chief of police in the town I grew up uh, in, in Somers, New York. And so my view of, you know, police sometimes have a certain uh, view of, you know, politicians are like, ah, a poli- yeah, it's just a politician. You know, it's almost, it's like a verb. You know, it's like a curse word in some respects. Yeah. Uh, not with everybody, but, you know, that's, I'm stereotyping. But in general, what was your view? How did you view uh, politics uh, growing up since your father was so civically involved? Well, I know he went to meetings for the Board of Ed, but I never had much interest in it, to tell you the truth. I, you know, I, I was more interested in uh, got into high school, Vietnam. Okay, that was so a was big that... topic of the day. And uh, I actually, uh, much to his shock, uh, I actually, when I first became 18 years old, I went down to register to vote. And uh, there was two tables. There was a Democratic table and a Republican table in the old city hall. And a lovely lady named Mary Crowley who was the Republican registrar voter. She ran for mayor a few times. So I walked right over to the Republican table and signed up because Richard Nixon was talking about peace, and that's what I wanted to vote for. Aha, uh-huh, okay. <laughs> so I actually became a Republican for a while. And what was your father's reaction to that? He was- Well, he... You know, he never, never mentioned it. He never said anything. No, it was fine, you know. And, and you said uh, during the Vietnam era then, I mean, I'm 42, so I'm born in 74, so I, I, mm. I missed uh, all that, obviously. What was it like uh, in that time period in Derby? Was it, uh, could you like, I mean, it's almost, I wonder, is it like today where you can feel the divide mm. in the country? I, I, don't uh, think you, I don't think you felt it much in, in no. Derby. I mean, it, it, was, it was on the news all the time. You couldn't, you couldn't get away from it, obviously, but I don't, there were no protest rallies or nothing like that that I can remember, but it was just the fact that there was a draft. And mm. everybody was worried about, you know, every year you would draft. Uh, every mm-hmm. year, I had some friends get drafted, and uh, and I luckily I had a I had a high number when mine came up, but that was a big concern about you know because obviously it wasn't going well. Mm, and right. finally, we had talked about. I remember President Nixon had talked about um, going to Paris, and I think for over a year they fought over what size table they were going to use, whether they were a round <laughs> one or a square one. They were, but I mean, at point where there was there was movement there towards peace and. Uh, it was a long. It, that like said, that's why I signed up to be a Republican because it sounded good enough to me. You know? And what year did you graduate high school? Nineteen seventy-one. And then, uh, what did you do right after high school? Did you? I had a job in, in the Griffin Hospital for about a year, and then I had a job in Beacon Falls at a factory for about a year, and then I got to finally got the job at uh, United Illuminating. And that was forty-two years. You were. Oh uh, yeah, a long time. Wow. Yeah, yeah. What type of work did you do at uh, UI? Well, we start off. Everybody starts off as a meter reader at that time. And okay. then yeah, eventually when I retired, I was what's called a substation electrician. Uh, and what does that mean? Yeah, as, as I'm, I'm a moron. I can't change. I literally you know, can't change a light bulb. Look at this place. <laughs> the dam in Derby. You know the dam in yeah, Derby? Yeah, sure. The, 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 the electrical building right next to it. Okay. All yeah. those wires. And I would work in places like that. Oh, That's no a kidding. substation. Yeah, I would work in all over UI territory. Though. So you can't be claustrophobic. No, well, we worked outside, too, on the wires. 115,000 volts, 345,000 volts. I'd last know. about five seconds doing that. 
Now, what, so when did you get involved in the Derby uh, Fire Department? Were you already involved? When I was and, still in high school. Yeah, 19... And why? Why did you get involved? Well, a couple of my friends in high school belonged to the Hotchkiss Hose. I, you know, I met them in high school. Uh, Who were those guys? Was Bob Gavin, was Brian Capusta, and was a, uh, another fellow named McMahon, Mr. McMahon, Brian McMahon. And uh, they said, why don't you come on down and join the Hotchkiss Hose? You know, we have a bunch of guys go to fire. So I did, and I, lo- and I loved it right away. They were on Caroline Street. That's what I was going to ask. Yeah, so that's when yeah, it was on, on, mm-hmm. on the other side of Derby there, or my side of Derby. Um, so what? So Hotchkiss Hose was there? Was there like I've always heard, and maybe this was predates your tenure in the fire department or your starting date. There was like like uh, a competition among oh, yeah. the different. <laughs> like I've always heard, and I don't know if it's like the, the Polish guys were in one firehouse, the Irish guys were in another. Was there still some of that? Uh, oh yeah, there was. Um, I guess the uh, I guess you call them the the Catholics over the storms. And okay, the, oh, the Catholics okay. belonged to the Hotchkiss. And the, oh, that's and the, another take on it. Okay. Yeah, and the Pagassets, of course, had a big Polish. Uh, <laughs> Polish group over at the Pagassets, and uh, the East End was, they came in in the 50s, because there was no fire protection at that time on the east side of Derby, except for the Pagassets, which is you know, right by the bridge. That's interesting. Yeah, so the East End, because, yeah, the East End delivered, uh, uh, they did their Santa thing uh, yes. on Popcorn Ball Sunday, they came to my house. That's the really one awesome. on the Derby but, Milford? Yeah, yeah, they're like the last, like the last property in yeah, Derby yeah, almost, yeah, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. going down uh, on Derby Milford Road, but I noticed it was like, oh, they, it said 1950 on there, I didn't realize, they're like the new kids on the block. I think it was 19, uh, I think it's 1956, I believe, I think it was then, yeah, they built the building themselves, it, actually, they weren't part of the fire department officially until 1976, when oh, there, was no a, a, there was a vote to make them part of the city charter. They were they were helped by the city. So, you know, uh, they worked with the city, but they actually weren't in the listed in the city charter as a member of the Derby Fire Department. Mm-hmm. So, and, in, and then in the fire department, what are some of the positions you've held? Your your commissioner now, which I wanted to ask uh, you. I was about, a what lieutenant, firefighter, lieutenant, and captain. I never, I was never a chief. Now, now I'm the fire commissioner. And then, what made you want to be the fire commissioner? At least from what I've seen in Derby, and I'm sorry to skip around. It's, I mean, it's a volunteer job. Uh, for, no, no might I, be a, is I there do a get stipend? a salary. Oh okay. yes, I do get a stipend. Yes. Okay, there you go. I'm sorry, but it's, I mean, it's a tough job because, you know, your budget is your budget. Uh, what, what are the duties of, of the fire commissioner? Maybe that's a better way to. Start. Well, the fire commissioner is, in, is runs the fire department uh, unless there's an actual fire. If there's a fire call, the fire chief is in charge. And that's the way it should be. Uh, I, I prepare the budgets, pay the bills, uh, hand out discipline if necessary sometimes. And uh, for the most part, uh, sort of like the mayor, unless there's a fire. And, um, you know, budgets are tough, and money's, money's tight everywhere. We and f- the fire service gets more and more expensive oh. uh, just by, by, by mandates and training requirements. Uh, yes. How tough is it now to... Well, a lot of our, a lot of our uh, things that we have to do are driven by OSHA. OSHA requires us to do this, and it's like the, like a state mandate. The state has mandates, but they don't fund them. Mm-hmm. OSHA gives you, you know, for instance, our turnout gear now has to be rotated out every six, every ten years. Well, we have 110 firefighters, and turnout gear costs about five thousand dollars a set. Wow! So now you have to you have to factor that in, and and with the budget tight, that's just one item. You know, Scott Airpacks have to be tested and rotated out. Mm-hmm. All these things that you required to do by OSHA this, are cost driven. And, and the cost, they, they don't go down, mm. you know. And, uh, and I mean, I understand OSHA is there to protect the firefighters and, and, and every, every working person in this country. And, but it, sometimes you just wonder, my God, how can, how, you know, where are we going to find the money for this? Well, yeah, exactly. Oh. Plus, you're maintaining buildings, and the, the newest building is uh, almost 45 years old, so the buildings are older buildings, too. Have, yeah, five, have five buildings, including the fire tower on Cottage Street. 
Right, and they've all had work done oh, because yeah. age. It's not yeah. like uh, oh, yeah. these yeah. things are being abused, but they're old and they they weren't really necessarily built to uh, support the types of trucks and equipment that are in there. Is that well? Uh, the only one that has a basement is the storms. Okay, and, and that's where we had to had you said if you remember some floor work last year. Right, yeah, yeah, that's about sixty dollars to reach to re-strengthen the floor because the floor wouldn't hold the weight of the trucks today. It was about to. It could, and Sony had a move. similar. Uh, so one of their houses had a similar. They had to do repairs for the pretty much the same reason. Yeah, Webster Hose, I think. On yeah, the yeah, 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 yeah. So why did you want to be a fire commissioner? Well, actually, I um. I or got, did you? Was there a good somebody? <laughs> no, it's, it's, look, you <laughs> hey, you're fire I got a, I, There was an election. The mayor and uh, Mayor Degato ran against. Um, oh boy, uh, Tony Safari. Right. Yeah. And um, the mayor, of course, appoints the fire commissioner. He appoints the public works director. Fire, uh, police commissioners as well, and uh, I, I just voted in my choice, and I was home. I was working one day, and I got a phone call from Henry Domrad, and said, "Would you like to be fire commissioner?" I said, what, "Me? What? Well, the mayor, the mayor would like you to consider it," and I did, and uh, check with my my wife first, make sure it's okay, and uh, I said, "Sure, I'll give it a try." I mean, I know a good, very good friend of mine, Kelly Curtis, was the commissioner, mm. and he was uh, the commissioner for eight years under Tony Safiri. And he belongs to my fire company, Hotchkiss Hoes. And I kind of, I didn't know if I, it would be, and I kind of felt a little bad about that because he had done the job for years. I thought he was doing a great job. Mm. And uh, I, I, I think my second phone call was to him. I said, hey, Kel, you know, I, and I, they asked me to be fire commissioner, but he said, oh, it's good, good, go ahead and do it. You know, go ahead and take it. So, but I, um, you take the place of your, one of your friends, it's a little feeling that, you know, you, you don't like to do that, but. I, I, I enjoy it. You got his blessing, and if he had said yeah. otherwise, you probably wouldn't have. If he had uh, said, taken if, it. If, you know, if, if, you know, I, 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 rely, I still rely on him, Kelly. I mean, I said, Kelly, you did this for job for eight years. <laughs> what pills do you take? <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, no, he, he's a uh, he's a good guy. His father was fire commissioner. His father was fire chief of the Curtises. Everybody knew Chubby Curtis in Derby. That was his dad, and uh, and we still talk about it all the time and what he would do. And I asked him, Kel, what do you think I should do with this? And I get, I always get outstanding advice. He's a good man, Kelly Curtis. And then, and, and yeah, I concur. He's mm-hmm. he's nice to me, which I which I appreciate. You know, he's he's always been very fair. Uh, coming up, you have a new chief uh, coming. What is that? January second. January second, right? January second, we're swearing in. Uh, it's called promotion of rank. We're swearing in four new fire chiefs and our chaplain, uh, Father Tiano from St. Mary. We have a department chaplain now for the entire department. Father Tiano. And that's sort of a new development. That was just in November or so that you announced right. that was happening? Right. I had, saw, I, I had met Father Tiano at the St. Mary's uh, Festival, and I said, would you like to be the you know, fire department chaplain? Each, some firehouse have their own chaplain. We have okay. a department chaplain. Oh, gotcha. All right. And so I, he that. said, yeah. So we're going to, uh, he said, sure. And uh, his, matter of fact, his brother, how small Derby is, he's from Derby, his brother was my best man at my wedding. <laughs> oh, no kidding. Okay. A small town, eh? And he's from Hawthorne. Yeah, yeah. He also lived on Hawthorne Avenue. Yeah, his parents lived uh, right at the corner of East Street and and Hawthorne, I had learned, just like within the past year. Uh, That's fascinating. And so, all right, let's talk about this crew you have uh, uh, coming in, this group of of new fire chiefs and first Mm -hmm. assistant chiefs. And just for the record, this uh, ceremony is going to take place Monday, January 2nd, 7 p.m., Hotchkiss Hose Company on uh, David Humphreys Road. It's really, a, this is one of those things, uh, I, I haven't covered it every year, but I, I've probably been there two or three times uh, since 2009, and it's one of the, it's, a, it's just a great thing to see. Uh, the families come out, uh, there's just a lot of uh, uh, respect uh, on display there. It's really cool. 
You got this guy David Leonard in there as second assistant <laughs> chief, though. How is that? Uh, how is that happening? I mean, this well, his is, brother was a fire <laughs> chief a little while back. Tom Leonard Jr. Tom Leonard Jr. Right, David yeah. David is a is a go getter. He's an outstanding fire chief. Big Star Wars fan. Oh anyway, yes, but. yes he is. Yeah. So all right, so you have uh, the, the new chief's going to be uh, Michael Goodman. Tell me about uh, the Mike, incoming Mike chief. Goodman's a carpenter. He belongs to the Big Acid Hook and Ladder Company, and uh, he, he'll be the new chief uh, for two years. They, they serve a total of eight years. Okay. Each fire, there's four firehouses, and each firehouse has one chief, which we test for. I think Derby's one of the few towns in the Valley actually tests for their chief. Oh, really? And, yes, mm-hmm. and the highest score wins uh, for the chief. It was very good competition. Huh. Uh, that, in this case, it was uh, Kurt Kemis. He's the current chief until, until January 2nd. He's from Hotchkiss Hose. His time is up, so he finally, after eight years, gets a break. He's been he's been chief for how long? Well, they they serve. Oh, that's right. They come with their first assistant, and they they serve for eight years, two years in each term. Third assistant, I'm sorry, third assistant, second assistant, first assistant, and then chief. And what's your assessment of of how Kurt's done? Uh, I'm not saying his last name, not that we're familiar, but I'll mispronounce it. Chemist, Kurt Chemist Jr. Chemist Jr. Yeah. He did a Um, well-known family. He did a great job. He did a great job. Yeah, he did a great job, and uh, we're going to miss him. But it's it's the end, and it has you know it's like term limits. So right, to speak. it just cycles through. You have to, and you know what? And we're fortunate to have people behind him that are good, or maybe even better. And you then let's, let's go through the the rest of the list. It's going to be Chief Goodman, Michael Goodman, Michael W. Goodman, and then uh, the first assistant chief is going to be Robert J. Laskowski Jr. Am I saying that name yes, correctly? Yes, yes. He's from the East End Hose. And then he actually is an airplane pilot. Oh, okay. All right. He I've flies jets out of Hartford, out of uh, Oxford Airport. Yes. Oh, wow. That's fascinating. Wow. So there's yeah. a guy that's calm under pressure. Uh, and then you have the, the aforementioned uh, Dave Leonard. The legendary. The legendary the Dave Dave Star Leonard, Wars yeah. fan. And, and he has a podcast of his own where he's mm. doing for a while about Disney. He's a Disney freak. Uh, Disney the theme park, I mean. And then I'm going to mispronounce. I know who this is, and I'm going to mispronounce his last name. Michael F. Glody. Glody. Okay, I would have Mike said Glody. Glode. Glody. He's an accountant, works in the, down in Stanford, I believe, and he uh, belongs to the Hodgkin's Hose. So Kurt Kemis, who was the Hodgkin's Hose Hodgkin's Hose, he's out. So the Hodgkin's Hose now goes back to FD3, and eventually will work their way up to the top. And, you know, one thing that's, uh, at least from a, from a reporter's perspective, when we uh, opened up shop here in the Naugatuck Valley, you know, I had worked other places in New York and other parts of Connecticut, and a lot of times, you know, a reporter, you know, the big, big, being a member of the media these days is you're basically like infested with bed bugs, stink bugs. It's like you're walking around with head lice. You're like a kid with lice when you f- show up at fire scenes sometimes. They're like, nobody yeah, wants yeah. to talk to you. Uh, except there's something different, especially in Ansonia and Derby. Mm. Where like, I mean, I know each one of these guys just from going to the scenes and being like, oh yeah, that, and just seeing the names on their jacket. And they're always, uh, you know, you're respectful to them. I, 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 and then they're respectful to you. Derby seems to have a different view towards uh, at least like transparency and, and, and reporters and, and talking to the public and the press. And do, do you concur and why do you think uh, that is? Why, why does Derby seem to be more open uh, than other places? Yeah. Um, I mean, at a fire scene when it's just fire going on, working with the press and that? Uh, yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, that's what have, I mean specifically. We, we do have, a, I, I did appoint somebody called, it's called a public information officer. Uh, Linda Goodman, who is the chief's sister. Oh, okay. All right, but she's also had some experience. She works for Strat- in town of Stratford. She has some experience with the uh, newspaper stuff and publications, and she had some journalism at Southern Connecticut. But she would handle non-fire related things to mm-hmm. go on. She would get that all get that out for us. And uh, but I always, you know, the chiefs are very outgoing. They understand what your role is. Your role is to report the news 
and you know, and uh, people in town should know what they're doing, the firemen are doing, as we saw in the fire on Hawkins, uh, not Hawkins Street, uh, Caroline Street. Caroline, recently, yeah. yeah. And uh, I. And I've never told them to be open to the press. They just, that's the way they are. They just, you know, they hmm. work with you because they should be, the fire department should be res- responsive to the public and the public should know what we're doing. Yeah, you know, somebody, an, another firefighter a while ago in one of the other towns asked me for like a list of, uh, you know, what are some things that would make your job easier? And, and you've, kind of, you've, you've hit it where it's, you know, as when a reporter comes to a fire scene, we're just representing the public. We don't necessarily want to be there. It's just a, our job is to just relay the. We're just. A, I look at ourselves. We're just a member of the of the public, uh, which sometimes is getting lost in sort of the national conversation about how. Uh, the I wonder if, uh, like, at least locally, part of it is like the legacy of Ed Cotter, um, because like he had that role. He was like involved with emergency services, but also a photographer for the Evening Sentinel. So that in like there's there. Yeah you know, obviously like a, a revered figure in, in recent Valley history. And I don't know if that, you know, it, it, like you said, it seems that like at, at like Valley scenes, uh, the people are more sort of responsive yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and relaxed. So if you look back over your fire career in Derby, are there any uh, memorable calls or incidents that sort of uh, uh, stick out in your mind? Well, we had the, uh, of course, the BF Goodrich Fire in Shelton in 1975, mm-hmm. March 1st. That was the entire valley came to that. More than the valley actually came to that. Uh, the Hull Dye Factory twice, I think, burned down on mm-hmm. Roosevelt Drive. And, uh, but there's, you know, there's lots of fires. Um, I, I, I do go to a fires occasionally if it's a structure fire. Uh, basically, just to buy coffee. <laughs> but, <laughs> right, but yeah, the uh, last one, that's literally uh, what I saw you there. There yeah. are smart firefighters, so I like <laughs> to stay out of their way because they know exactly what they're doing. But um, they, uh, we average about 30 to 35 calls a month. Car accidents, gas odors, mm. you know, uh, fires, yeah, brush yeah. fires, whatever it may be. So you don't think they've got that many fires, but and motor vehicle accidents and things like that. So um, so I, nothing really stands up besides those two major events. And, of course, the River Restaurant explosion mm-hmm. that we had in Derby there. And uh, but there have been big fires, but um, luckily, uh, you know, we've only we've lost a few firemen in the time. Not actually at the fire scene; that they had some uh, medical problems after that. So, um, but um, we had one fire fireman die in 1973, I believe, in the way to a false alarm. Oh wow! Okay, that's and that's uh, from my, my fire company, a fellow named Tom Kingston, and uh, that's why the. Uh, we were discussing now the, the box system in Derby, the f- firebox system. My fire marshal, uh, Phil Hawks, tells me that we have to, um, haven't had an actual box, actual fire reported through that system in 20 years. It's just wow. kids pulling fire alarms. Wow. Yeah. Wow. yeah. And, and 38% of the time, uh, 34% of the time that we roll, we roll to a box alarm. That's a false alarm. It's just, oh, wow. So, I mean, so we have malicious pulls. Yeah, you hear that they on call the scan them, of yeah. the malicious mm-hmm. pull. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you call in 911, they have your phone number, obviously. But uh, so we're getting our firemen out. We're rolling trucks out the door about a third of the time to false alarms. So what do you think? So there's discussion of possibly removing the, the yeah, boxes? It's, it's a system that hasn't been, it's not, it's not being fully utilized. It's antiquated. Uh, but it's, it's, it's functioning. It works. You know, so people shouldn't think it doesn't work. But you have to look at the overall, you know, is it? What are you getting out of it? Yeah. Well, it yeah. doesn't cost as much. It's operating. And we have two good people that run it, uh, Bill Freiheit and... Uh, uh, Paul Lushak, but it, the day might come where you might have to say, "Listen, it's you know it's really outlived its usefulness because everybody has cell phones now." Right? Yeah, you can just you just call. Yeah, it and I, again, you go by the records; it's twenty years and no calls came through that system. You know, do you really need that system? 
And when you, you hear like on the news, they say like five alarm fire, six alarm fire. Could you explain that to like well, the, the idiots? Like, is that just like the number of additional departments right. that get called yeah. to? Okay. Yeah, they're called. I've the dispatchers summon more people. Okay. We have running rules, but if you have a big fire, you, 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 expand your, you expand your fire base. And they'll call in more trucks and more trucks. We had uh, four towns on, uh, on Caroline Street, mm. Orange, Seymour, and Sony, and Derby. And I'm in terms of Shelton. So uh, they all respond, and was you, know, you stand and you watch all these trucks and all these men working, and and nobody's getting paid. It's just, yeah, yeah, it yeah, yeah that's me. the other thing. Like every yeah. time we, we like yeah, Shelton, Ansonia, any of these communities, I like it amazes me, frankly, that at some point when they were industrial powerhouses, they didn't have like a professional fire department brought in, and then like that. You know, I don't know what the in Derby is, but it, it's 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 millions of dollars that's saved every year oh, by yeah. by having yeah. volunteers do all of this. Yeah, and we, it's yeah, and it's and thank God they keep joining. I mean, younger kids keep coming. Yeah, well, yeah, that's another. And that's yeah. what I wanted to ask you: like, how are you in terms of resources, in terms of just strict uh, men and women power? Uh, it seems like the Derby department always has people coming in. Yeah, uh, I mean, there, you have ups and downs. You have some time where you know you won't you won't get any new members for a couple of years, four years, but. We're fortunate. I see my own firehouse. I see we have maybe seven or eight younger kids under the age of 24. And they're the go-getters now. You know, they're the ones who get the time and the energy, and they want to. They actually enjoy washing a fire truck. <laughs> <laughs> but we're fortunate that we keep uh, we keep they keep coming and uh, they keep joining. And uh, if one like my in my in my case, I spoke earlier. I, if my friend joined, so you join. And next thing you know, you you got three or four guys joining because it's a it's a club. Mm. You know, it's a club, and you you join up and. Uh, they just like to do it. I mean, you have kids hanging around there just waiting, waiting for a call to come in. And then in terms of, uh, you, you had talked about <clears throat> firefighters passing and the fact that it's sort of a club, you know, the, this fraternity of volunteer firefighters in Derby. I mean, Jimmy Butler. Junior. Uh, junior passed uh, away. Passed a year ago which, February. Which is just, uh, uh, share your thoughts on, on him, if you would. He was a fire chief. And uh, he, uh, I was actually in Florida. I go to my wife and I go to Florida for two months because uh, we made a promise to ourselves when the kids got married and moved out, and we retired, we would spend the winter two months in Florida because both of us don't. We are not skiers. We'll <laughs> <laughs> put, put it that way. So, um, but uh, when I got a phone call to come back, uh, that he had died. He was. He was. Um, he was a chief driver, which each driver, each fire truck is what's called a chief driver. He maintains a fire truck. Okay. He was meticulous with the McGasses fire truck, besides being an outstanding firefighter and constantly responding all the time. Jimmy was there all the time. He would maintain those fire trucks. If I know if I got a phone call from Jimmy, he said, I need this for the fire truck, it's going to cost this much. I knew he really needed it mm. because he had his hand on that truck. And, uh, and I really counted on him a lot, as I do all the chief drivers. You know, they maintain, I mean, the fire engine itself is the most expensive piece of equipment the city has. Hmm. We just hmm. bought a truck three years ago. It's five hundred three years ago. The price was five hundred and seventy four thousand dollars for a fire truck. So you have to make sure these things run. Try to get thirty years out of them if you can. And uh, Jimmy Jimmy uh, uh, was a great guy. His father was a fire chief. Sure, fire, yeah. He was fire commissioner too. His father. And uh, so, like I said, I if Jimmy Butler Jr. told me something. It was the truth. Mm. And I know we needed it, and he was a good. He was a good. He was a very, very good guy. Yeah, it was just so sad. Uh, just so, obviously, fifty years old. Yeah. I think he was. Yeah, young guy. Yeah. Mm. And, I, and I know he had some medical problems a year earlier, but he was back. He had got a clearance. He had his medical clearance. He was mm. ready to go. And and um, like I said, it was just a, a terrible. Just one of those thing. things. Yeah. yeah. I just uh, imagine driving a half a million dollar, you know, 
I get you like you you drive like your parents nice car and like you're very nervous like a half a million dollar and something that's so big like uh, you know well the, the, the ladder truck if, to replace it today would be a hundred and four million dollars uh, 1.4 million dollars mm-hmm. wow. it's 82,000 pounds this truck and you know how small the streets well that's be. what yeah, I was yeah. just gonna say and then in the winter time you got don't cars send that down Caroline bo- oh. cars parked on both sides of the street yeah. you know Wind- uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would just drive I would be crashing every day if that was me uh, you know but I wanted to ask you uh, if you were willing like you, you, you mentioned you have two children three three two children. sorry two children what yeah. are their names and ages the oldest is Brenna she's 34 uh, the middle one is Katie she's 28 and Sean is 27. And were they, uh, where'd they go to school when they were younger? All, all Derby school system. Bradley School, Derby Middle School, and Derby High School. And then uh, what are they doing now? What are their... Well, my oldest daughter uh, uh, has gotten her PhD, and she teaches at the University of Connecticut. She teaches uh, history and political science. Nice. My, young, uh, my other daughter, Katie, graduated from Southern Connecticut as an athletic trainer, and she uh, got a job at, at high school, Litchfield High School, for about a year. Then she was volunteering at Derby High School, assistant trainer at Derby High School, because that's where she went to school. She liked it. And then now she works for Orthopedic Specialty Group in Fairfield. She works there. And my son uh, went to Quinnipiac, got his master's from William & Mary, and uh, he works for a company in, uh, in uh, actually based in Alexandria, Virginia, uh, and he, sub- he subcontracted to NASA. He, uh, he, works, he works for, so you could say he works for NASA, I guess you could say. So now are you wow. all getting together because this is right before Christmas? I know. That's why I want to ask. Yeah, he's yeah. got, there's like this, uh, there's genius uh, genes in the, no, in the my, Kel- it's, it's like the, like the Royal Tenenbaums. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's they right. Have, they have like my minus the, you know, weird friends. whatever. Good movie. So you're all getting together uh, in the next couple of days? For, well, my uh, daughter, yeah, my daughter, of course, Katie lives, uh, got married in October. She lives right around the corner on Marshall Lane. Oh, congratulations. So, yeah, thank you. The house is empty. <laughs> the empty nesters now. And then my older daughter is coming down. She lives in Glastonbury. And, of course, my son's going to train back tomorrow night. He'll be here about 9 o'clock tomorrow night from Virginia. That's nice. So, like, I have two young ones. Do you have any advice for me? Like, what? how did you uh, manage to get three well-adjusted, successful? Well, we, we were, um, my wife was very involved with the school system. Every PTA that was, she served on. You know, you, you support them. And I, I realized that you don't want to push them too much in one direction. They're going to find themselves. They'll find themselves what they want to be. And I wish they were closer to home, all of them, but... You know, they have to they have to go where they have to what they feel happy is doing. And it, were they involved in uh, the fire department at all uh, growing my, up? Or my oldest daughter uh, was involved in the auxiliary program, and he, we had a little sport post. But then, of course, once you go to college, you're living at college now, and you're away. And she got her master's at Seton Hall, so she, she was in Jersey for two years. And then she came back and went to UConn. And after she backpacked. Uh, before she backpacked across Europe for seven weeks. Wow. Nice. But uh, and then, uh, of course, my daughter Katie's still involved. Matter of fact, she helps out with the, she, we call her the assistant commissioner when I'm gone. She mm-hmm. kind of watches over the fire department and uh, watches the spending that we do. And, of course, my son uh, I didn't show much interest in the fire department. He, was, uh, he liked karate. And, of course, like I said, he went to Quinnipiac, spent two semesters in Ireland. Oh, while nice. at Quinnipiac. And then, of course, he left Quinnipiac. He came right back and went to William & Mary and then he was here for about a year. He got a head, was working with Rick Dunn. Oh, uh, no kidding. Yeah. Okay. He we they, know that guy. Oh, I, yeah, Rick Dunn's a very good Naugatuck Valley oh. Council of Governments. Yeah, yeah. I, used to, I used to coach Rick Dunn in bitty basketball. Oh, really? A time ago. But uh, when, the, when the cogs combined. Was he, he a chucker? Oh, he could throw. He could, he could, run. He could run. He. I don't know if he could run now, but he could run then. Oh. He's but, still uh, in good shape. <laughs> I don't know how he does it. He's like one of those. So when Sean came back from William & Mary, 
uh, Rick hired him to uh, combine the because uh, he was his major his, his major was in public policy, and so he combined he basically helped write the new bylaws for the new cog because they combined a Waterbury cog and a Valley sure, cog. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then uh, he got a call from uh, down in D.C. and uh, he went for the interview and he got the job down there. That's fascinating. So good for you, proud, uh, proud parent. Oh yeah, they're all doing well too. That's doing awesome. Well. I got a grandson too. Oh, all right. Let's yeah. talk about the grandson. Well, I would, you have a W and M hat here. I was wondering, but it it must be William and Mary. William and I, Mary I, yeah. made William that brilliant Mary. deduction <laughs> just now. See, we're reporters. Boom. What about, what's your your grandson? Did you say or uh, granddaughter? Brenda has a Brenda has a son uh, named Dominic. Dominic, yeah. how old? Uh, two and a half. Years oh old. wow! Yeah. So and he loves fire trucks. <laughs> Matter of fact, my son-in-law, Katie's husband, my, my uh, youngest daughter, is a captain at Pegasus. Okay. So when he's down here, I take him to the firehouse, and of course, I own an antique fire truck, and he wants to drive it and ring the siren and ring the bell. Oh, that's awesome. And, so and, this is grandson. This is your, uh, as of right now, mm-hmm. you're, so this kid's got to be spoiled beyond belief oh, yeah. by the, uh, the... The fire truck will come by with Santa Claus, and he could care less about Santa Claus. He wants to go to the fire truck. He's just, yeah, just give <laughs> the truck. He'll walk right by Santa Claus, right to the fire truck. That's awesome. <laughs> so before we wrap it up, there's a couple other things I wanted to ask you about, because uh, we'd started this podcast saying that there, there were these uh, story opportunities that you would send me, which I then... Come on, Ethan, what do you got your phone going for? Sorry. This is the radio. We're on WNHH in Mute New Haven. The computer. The, the, like, Can't take you, you know, anywhere. The computer rings. In addition, I had my phone on silent, but the, now the computer rings too. But you, would, you, would, you the department had uh, uh, done some uh, activity or some uh, outreach regarding uh, uh, smoke detectors. Yes. That you did. Tell me about that. What was that? Well, uh, Kitty, uh, I, I say I pronounce it Kitty. Uh, Channel Eight Home Depot have a thing every year at the Haven Fire School where they will pass out 5,000 smoke detectors and, and CO2 alarms to, to people in the valley, to fire departments from Connecticut. And we, this is our, uh, we, partake, we partake two years in a row. And uh, what you do, you go down there, you sign up, they give you about 60 or 70 of them. And then we open the firehouses up on certain days and we pass them what anybody wants them. Smoke detectors, or, and they're all free. Mm-hmm. And they have a 10-year battery, which is very good. Oh, that, yeah, wow, yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, if they don't... Uh, if you can't, if somebody elderly can't install it, we'll go install it for them. Uh, and that's, uh, so that's how we did that. But the Home Depot was very involved in that, and, it would, and along with Channel 8 and, and uh, Kitty. We also passed out uh, to the Senior Center in Derby this year 30 flashing light bulbs. Uh, now, what is that? Yeah, tell me about that. What, is what they are is um, it's a light, regular light bulb, in, indoor, outdoor light bulb. And if you, uh, it, ac- it operates like a regular light bulb when you turn the switch on or off. But if you turn the switch twice quickly, it'll flash. So you put it in the window of your house, and you turn the light switch on, and it'll keep flashing so the police or fire or ambulance can find your house just a little faster. Because most folks, it's hard to read the number on the house. Mm. Yeah. Especially at night. If there is a number, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. It's yeah, something yeah. you don't think of just in day-to-day, but, yeah. you know. You I mean, you, you, know, you like to see a big reflective number, but sometimes they're not, uh, they're not good-looking numbers. You know, they're ugly-looking things. But So these light bulbs can go on the porch or they can go in the front on the, uh, in the living room or in the big window and just hit the switch twice and it'll, it'll think it'll flash for 45 minutes and then hit the switch once and it'll, it's off. Oh, that's fascinating. I had no idea. So, so we're going to buy those every year for the seniors. We're going to buy those every year and they, they pass them out to the senior center in Derby. Nice. All right. I want to thank you okay. for taking the time and coming in here. I really do. Because uh, well, I appreciate it, you asking it was me. really a pleasure uh, talking to you. Uh, because yeah, I don't know. You're just one of those guys that has like instant respect uh, in the city of Derby. People just people just love it. I don't know if you know that or not, but yeah, you have a 
you have a pretty good reputation. Yeah, and like better than Ethan. Well, not very hard. But like as I said before, it's just you know the 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 savings people get having all these volunteer fire departments, like without realizing it. Basically, yeah. it's uh, you know, we 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 all take it for granted. Basically. And then yeah, and it's even you know, when you're in trouble, yeah, you know they they show up. But then mm. all the other things that we were just talking about, all the just the basic community service and good mm. stuff that goes on even behind. Oh yeah, and then the like there's like you know as you said, there's like there's. 35 calls a month and like you know you might hear about a couple of them that you know are an actual fire or whatever but you know you still have to go out and be like oh there's no fire okay like let's check x y and z you know that's not a a story but uh it's still important and i'm really proud if i could just finish with this yeah go right ahead in fact we get all this done with less than one percent of the city budget less than one percent of our budget matter of fact I, i did a presentation to the tax board our budget this year is three thousand dollars less than it was twenty years ago. Hmm. That's amazing. How did you? How have you managed that? We have we have some magicians <laughs> that manage to get the best out of the, every drop out of that lemon we can get. We squeeze it, but I mean that's it's three thousand dollars less than it was twenty years ago. How long is the commissioner's term in Derby? It is it, it, just, it, is it, it runs with the mayor's term. Okay. Mm-hmm. Do you have any uh, in the next year? Because what we have an election coming up, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have any? goals or things you want to get accomplished in, say, the next year? Well, I, I want to be a, uh, up to date with OSHA, which we are, but I want to stay ahead of, that, ahead of the curve with OSHA and make sure that, first, my, first, uh, my first thing is safety of the, of the firefighters. That's my goal. Make sure they're safe. I mean, they don't get a salary. They don't get anything. They want to be safe, and they want insurance should they pass on for their families. Not a lot to ask. Mm. So you buy them the right equipment, and you make sure they have insurance in case they get hurt. And I want to make sure we got that and some building maintenance issues I want to take care of. But it's a never-ending job, like, like a marriage job. Marriage comes in no matter who the marriage is. There's always problems you got to work out. So, I mean, I, you know, Mr. Curtis before me took care of a lot of them. I'm trying to take care of some of them. And the next commissioner, whoever that may be, there'll be some more problems. But they'll get, they'll, they'll get it done. Well, we've, we've been, Oscar Hose is 180 years old next year. Wow. So we, we've been, the, the very fire department has been getting it done for 180 years. It's, it somehow manages to make it happen. We, we make it happen. We make it work. We make it work. You know, I, I said we would wrap up, but I just realized I, I, there's one other area I just wanted to ask you about was your time on the board of aldermen. Because, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I was thinking at uh, some point in the interview and you had talked, you had talked about bringing coffee to fire scenes, which, which is, you know, that's a natural politician thing to do right there. Is <laughs> well, like, that's going to be the most that, he's automatically the most popular guy when he shows up. And I'm just wondering, I uh, don't bring steaks and lobster, but I do bring <laughs> coffee and donuts. What was it like? Uh, like where or not where? But when did you serve uh, on the board uh, of aldermen? Well, I, and it was, was I it third, on, third I, ward? Third you, ward oh, alderman. Okay. I was a third ward alderman. Ran for mayor once, and that was unsuccessful, which is probably a good thing in, in the end. <laughs> oh, wow. So uh, what, what year was that? Like when, roughly uh, when was that? I didn't know that. 2003. Okay. See, we launched 2000. in 2009. So I served under three mayors, uh, John D. Barberi, who's Republican, Alan Schlesinger, who, of course, was Republican, and Mark Arfalo, who's a Democrat. And... Uh, I got along with all of all three of them. Yeah. What, mean, were the, what were the toughest issues you dealt with as an alderman? What were some of the uh, the uh, well, things the tough, you wrestled with at I, all, or what was just what's it like being an alderman? I guess. Well, the alderman is responsible for the ward and the, and the town itself. But I mean, the, the issues the issues that we had then are the same issues we have now: a shrinking grand list, mm. you know, and uh, you know, uh, quality of life in, in the town. And at well, five point two square miles, we're not blessed with a lot of land, mm. and. Uh, and a lot of it is, uh, uh, I think, uh, I think a fifth of it is state park or open space, 
which, which we, you know, we can't use that, and you wouldn't want to, because you want, you want to keep that as it is. But it's trying to make it happen with a, t- a community that the taxpayers are, are hurting, obviously, because they're paying all the, we have no industry, large industry like Shelton does, they have all that, you know, all those uh, high rises down there and everything else. So it's, it's tr- like the fire department, it's trying to make it happen in a small community. And we're trying to, um, one of the things we should do is, I think is more regionalization. Hmm. Even if the fire department, if if I'm buying fire coach for my guys, why can't we and Sony and Derby Shelton buy them together? Probably get a better price. Regionalize your purchases and things like that. But uh, is that bo- starting to happen? In, in we're any looking. Way? We're looking into doing that. Yes. To, to, again, try to you know try to get more out of what we have already. But the, the, the aldermen are, are facing the same problems that we had when I was on the board. Downtown development. It's like, how do you reinvent yeah. yourself? Because I mean, that's, that's really what it, it like, is. Regionalization is like that's a watchword that like everybody. Like we seem to be hearing it more and more and more, and will in the future. Uh, but like emergency services, that's a, a, like that's a field where there there is already, I think, a lot of you know, mm-hmm. if not you know, capital R regionalization. Like they 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 work very well together in terms of like mutual aid systems, and yes. you know, whenever there's a big incident, like the police will, you know, move pretty fluidly like different towns and stuff. Mm-hmm. So uh, you, you do see that to some extent starting already. I was, what I'm thinking about, though, then in regionalization, uh, there's so much. It's so hard to. I'm thinking about like when they tried to talk about consolidating some of the fire yeah, yeah, houses yeah. in Ansonia. Yeah, yeah. How that's difficult to do because there's so much he- mm-hmm. literal history. And yeah, and as you said, it's, it's like that. That's that. The in terms of like rec- recruitment, having those individual houses all around the city is important because, as uh, the commissioner said, it's it, like you, the social aspect is obviously like a. It's a, a fabric part of the community. Of it, you know, so are you closing houses? Are you going to close some firehouses in Derby? Is that what you're <laughs> no, announcing? I hope not. No, <laughs> not at all. We'll, Would no. you ever run for alderman again? We'll, or, uh, no, no, my my time in politics. That was a very all, that was a very quick no. <laughs> no. My time in politics is all over now. I'm retired now, and uh, my time my time was there, and now it's other people's time, and uh, so uh, they do, and they, they all do well, a good job, do a good job. So no, not no more politics for me. If that, if my wife told me if I ever did again, I better get a lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> she draw the line there. That's it. Yeah, yeah. It's a tough. That's a tough thing to do to put yourself out there uh, yeah. publicly, and you're literally being judged uh, all the time. I, I guess you have to have thick skin. You don't often get a phone call and say, "Hey, great job." Mm-hmm. Usually, it's a usually it's a problem, but uh, people still do it. Like the fire department, they still they still want to run and they still want to serve. So and we're lucky God. to have them. We're lucky to have all of them. All right, Commissioner Keller. Now we're really going to end it. I apologize. I said 15 yes, minutes ago we were going to. Uh, again, I really appreciate uh, your time and, well, and for stopping by. Well, thank you. And you guys, you fellas and all the people on the listening, have a good holiday. Exactly. Oh, that's right. This will be our last one. Yeah, Merry Christmas. Happy mm. Holidays, everybody. I hope Santa Claus is good to everybody. Yeah, me too. <laughs> all right, I'm Eugene Driscoll for Ethan Fry and Commissioner Michael Kelleher of Derby saying, uh, I guess we'll see you in the new year. <laughs>